Welcome to the Uplift Effect Podcast. My name is Jill Falling and I am the host of this podcast, but I am also the owner of the Uplift Effect Coaching and Consulting. I'm a parenting coach by way of being a grief and trauma therapist um, in my past and educationally and background professionally. And I am thrilled to death to bring you this episode. This is different than I have done before, and I am not going to spend the time doing a formal introduction. You can go to pretty much any of the other episodes and hear my formal introduction about this podcast, about what we do here. But the long and short of it is that I typically talk about parenting and things that are parenting specific. Not all of it is. A lot of it is about our lives and um, how we got to certain places in our life. A lot of it is is coaching types of content. And today really is actually no different. But I am interviewing a very sweet friend of mine, Jonna Grimes, and she has her own podcast called Babbles Nonsense Podcast. And I'm going to link all of that. And what we did this day is we flip-flopped. I went on her podcast, she is coming on my podcast, and so we are releasing in tandem both of our podcasts. In this episode here, you're going to hear me interview her. We are going to talk um, at first about you know how she got, to, she's a nurse practitioner and how she got to that point, but we are going to talk about her background and some uh, significant deaths that have happened in her life, how she has dealt with that, what trauma is, how does that uh, influence what she's doing now. And we really do actually a lot of life coaching types of things. On her podcast, we kind of do the opposite. She interviews me and talks about how I came to a place where I became a grief and trauma therapist and then that, how that transitioned into be a, being a parenting coach. So I want you to listen to both. I want you to listen to this, but I'm going to attach Jonna's podcast, Babbles Nonsense, so that you will also go listen to hers because I think once you hear the thing full circle, first of all, you're going to be well entertained <laughs> because just heads up, mine was the second one. And by the time we got to it, I totally like, I didn't have any idea how I was going to introduce her. So you'll see, she just introduces herself. <laughs> But you will get an understanding about two people, number one, who come from a medical background and how we have had to navigate very, very difficult uh, trauma exposure. But then what is it like to have our own lives going on and have certain things that trigger us and how we interact with that within our professional life? The reason why this is important is this. We are all affected by circumstances in our lives. They're not all trauma, but there are circumstances in our life that we have to make a decision what we're going to do with it. And those decisions make all the difference in the world. And you are going to hear in this episode specifically about how some things were not traumatic for Jana, but how some things have been and how that has affected and played itself out in her adult life. In the episode on her podcast, you will hear experiences that I have had and what led me to grief and trauma and what informed decisions that I made and how I chose this profession and why my passion is so great about what I do. I am thrilled to death to introduce to you, Jonna Grimes, I'm thrilled to death for you to hear her story 
And I do think it's going to give you hope because when you hear part of her story, I bet a lot of you are going to see some of your own. And that's what I want. I want for you to know and I want for you to begin to allow the wheels to turn so that you can see and you can hear, number one, what life coaching is a little bit about and what it's like to get feedback from somebody, but to also realize it's all normal. (laughs) Jonna says all the time, I don't know, maybe I need counseling or something. The truth is our experiences are all very different and that's okay. So... Let me get this started up. Jonna's going to introduce herself for us. Thank goodness. Well, I got my act together because I got um, in the middle of a giggle session and couldn't get regrouped. And while at first you may be tempted to think that I'm having an emotional breakdown in the background, (laughs) I'm really actually laughing and I cannot stop the laughing and can't get regrouped. So thank goodness for Jonna. Jonna to the rescue. Here's my sweet, dear friend, Jonna Grimes. Hello, everyone. This is Jonna from the Battles Nonsense podcast. I have never been on a podcast before, but I'm going to be on Jill's podcast. We just decided to wing it. She normally is very detail oriented, but I said, nah, just go with it. Just wing it. And this is what we're doing. So I'm introducing myself on her podcast because that's what I'm doing. I'm also a nurse practitioner. I'm also a nurse practitioner in an emergency room. I've been a nurse practitioner for five years, but an actual nurse for 10. Um, and I'm a nutrition coach. So yeah, that's who I am. Jonna, thank you so much. Hey, you wanted comedy? I'm gonna bring you comedy. Sometimes you feel like you know somebody so well, you're like, now what are you called again? <laughs> no, I did the same thing to you. I just didn't happen to hit record before. So <laughs> this is pure gold. It's fine. Pure gold. And you were just taking your jacket off because we're laughing so hard. I was just about to take mine off too. I'm like, I know because I'm sweating. Oh my, I'm like, oh I can't. I don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> this was about to get real babbles nonsense. I just had to take my grandmother's sweater off. So I'm glad y'all can't see us because I have a romper with a grandma sweater on. <laughs> Welcome to the Uplift Effect podcast. All right. Well, we will sure uplift you today. Welcome to my nonsense. Uh, Welcome aboard. By the way, tell me where you came up with Babel's nonsense. You know, um, I think I was just thinking about starting a podcast and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But then something just happened where I was like, I want it to be called Babel's nonsense because I do that a lot. Like I talk crazy shit all the time. Sorry. I don't know if you cuss on your you, podcast. You can... <laughs> okay. I was like, Oh shit. We're not on my podcast. Sarah did it again. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. My podcast comes with a disclaimer. So it's, it's totally like, it... okay. So I was just sitting there and I was like, I really want it to be called Babbles nonsense. Cause if you are my friend or you're at work with me, I have all these random theories in my head that I just like to discuss. And like it comes, my friends are always like, where did that come from? Why are you talking about that? We were talking about pizza and you're over here talking about flying in the air. And I'm like, I don't know. The pizza looked like a bird. I don't know. <laughs> so so Babel's nonsense came into existence. Yeah. And I was like, well, why have it? Why limit myself? Why put myself in a box? Because most of my friends thought that my podcast was going to be about nutrition and fitness, which I love. Like it's my passion in life. If I can make a living off nutrition, that's probably what I would do, but I don't want to just talk about that. I want to have anything and everything on my podcast since that's who I am. Yes. Yes. And I think that's a great idea because your 
tagline or your intro is just so perfect. And I'm not going to give it away. <laughs> we want people to go and listen to it. Go and listen to it. I'll put it in the show notes so it'll be linked. Okay. So, Jonna, tell me, okay, you are a nurse practitioner at our local hospital in the ER. You have been there for how many years did you say? Um, I've actually been there since 2011. I left for six months and went and worked at Vanderbilt for a little bit because there wasn't any nurse practitioner positions available. And oh. then when one opened up, I moved back. So I was only gone for like six months. So I say a total of 10 years. Okay. Okay. So tell me, how did you decide you wanted to be a nurse? Like what was there a moment that the medical field was like, this is what I want to do. And this Tell me that story. Yes. I actually, for the longest time when I was little, I remember I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I would um, set my little dolls up and then I had this like... (laughs) We always had to play those little flutes in um, elementary school or whatever. Yeah, so I had one of the little stands that <laughs> that you had to put your music on. So I'd always put like and act like I was teaching and I would make all my friends let me teach them and things like that. But then I found out teachers don't make any money. So I was like, can't do that because I came from a very poor household. So I was like, no, we're not going to do that. So when I started high school, our high school in Franklin County, because I'm from Tennessee, had a nursing course that my friend's dad instructed. And he was like, you need to be a nurse, like the money's good, things like that. So we went to the hospital and we went to like the nursing home side, like the um, geriatric side. And there was this one man and I was probably gosh, 17 years old, there was this one man that the nurses were always like, don't go in his room. That's the only room we don't want y'all going in. Cause we would just help like pass out trays, give baths, whatever. Cause we were just, we couldn't really do much. And there was this one man that you couldn't understand. He mumbled a lot, but he was apparently very mean. And so I was like, Oh, I'm going in that room because I like a challenge. I've always liked a challenge from day one. And I remember going in that room, kind of tippy toeing and he would throw things at you too. Like you couldn't understand what he was saying. Um, and he would throw things at you, but he had this little toy piano that he liked to play. And it had like twinkle, twinkle, little star or something he was playing. So I was creeping in the room. He was playing that song and I just started singing it. And he kind of looked at me and he didn't throw anything at me. So I got closer to him and closer to him. And like, he let me hold his hand. He let me talk to him. And so then I think it clicked with me. I was like, this man just wants attention. Like no one's paying him any attention. Like he's throwing things at people because number one, no one can understand him. At the time I didn't realize he had had a stroke, but now with my medical background, he had had a stroke Mm -hmm. and you couldn't understand him when he was talking. So I think it was just a simple fact of just paying attention to someone. Yeah. And so, (laughs) yeah. So that, and then I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to work in a nursing home. I've always wanted to work in a nursing home. I love geriatrics, but unfortunately we all know that nursing homes just aren't the best place for people. Yeah. Yeah. So if I could have my own nursing home, probably would do that. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. And instead you ended up in the ER. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. More calm and peaceful there. (laughs) It's, you know, same thing. Same kind of different. Okay. So then you went um, to school to become a nurse and then you decided, okay, really what I want to do is be a nurse practitioner. You pursued that and you've been in the ER then ever since. Yeah. Ever since I I worked with trauma at Vanderbilt for a year. So that was the only, so emergency room and trauma, kind of same difference. Not really like I haven't been in the ICU or anything like that. So I gotcha. I gotcha. So, um, you know, obviously we have talked, um, on your podcast about, Mm -hmm. um, trauma background and just our upbringings and how they can influence our 
adult experience and what we do um, for a career maybe and how not necessarily that everybody's traumatized but we we are (laughs) maybe we are um but we don't have perfect upbringings. There is no such thing, right? And so obviously working in an environment, which I can totally relate to this from my background professionally and working in a really intense trauma environment and being exposed to such very, very difficult things can be very, very taxing emotionally. So how has that been for you? Can you tell me a little bit about some of your background and then how, how have you navigated that at work? Because I know what you see at work. Um, it is very difficult. And I think that's something that people don't realize, especially like when it comes to the community and them coming into an emergency room and I completely get it. If you're, if you're there because you're sick or you want things done for you, but you're not under, we all do that. And that's not even just in, in healthcare. Like we are, we want what we want. We want it now. Right. Like we're not thinking about the other person. (laughs) Um, but it's changed me for sure. Like I started out as this shy, quiet, girl, which no one's going to believe that if, if anyone of my friends are listening to your podcast, I'm like, no, she's not. Cause I'm very loud and boisterous. Um, I actually have to wear headphones when I'm doing my podcast to know how loud I'm being. Cause I'm that loud. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, like it, it, I see things, but it's weird because I tell people it doesn't affect me. Like mm-hmm. I probably see someone die every single day yeah. and that does affect other relationships. So like if I have friends or family that pass away, it's really hard for me to connect to them emotionally. Cause mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm like, well, it's just another day when that's very traumatizing to them. So I, yeah, I probably should go to therapy, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's very different. Well, it is. I think one of the things too, is, is that when we, because I came from a background um, where I did uh, work with families and death and dying, I do think it is very hard to, when you are so used to seeing that, I'm like, there could be worse things than dead. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there are, there are worse, there are worse things, things than, dead. than dead. And actually when I saw somebody in a vegetative state, I was yeah. like, there could be worse things than dead because this person has no quality of life and will never come out of this. And so, or if you just see people not accept death, mm-hmm. um, that sometimes is hard. Like if someone has no quality of life and they haven't had a quality of of life for a really long time, like if they're contracted and in a nursing home and they can't speak to you and they're essentially just laying there. Yes. And then we have families that still don't accept it when they're passing away. Like, and it's like, they had no, they haven't had a quality of life for five years. Like, so that that's kind of difficult to me, like versus someone and I hate to say this because it's going to sound so bad, like then just dying, like that's the better option at that point. Yeah. Well, there's finality in that. Yeah. You know, there's so much finality. There's peace. They're not in pain. Um, they're not suffering. So to me, that's more, like you said, finality, it's just, it's more peaceful in a way. Yeah. So I know a little bit about, about your background. Um, but can you tell my listeners, (laughs) all two of them, (laughs) Oh, well, hush. Dad. <laughs> Hi, mom and dad. Hi, mom and dad. Um, how, so your background has um, some trauma in it. I know that your father passed away. And mm-hmm. so talk to me a little bit and share with me a little bit about that story. What parts of it you mind uh, yeah. sharing with me? And, um, and how, 
I know we all re respond and react to those things differently. Um, did that influence how you work in your job at all? How, do you think it helped prepare you in any way? I don't know. So there's three big deaths in my life. So okay. my father was the first one. He passed away when I was 10, mm -hmm. but my dad wasn't the best, um, man. He was abusive to my mom and my mom stayed with him for, I believe they were together 12 years and he wouldn't provide. She worked two and three jobs. He oh, took wow. all the money she had and he would just go out to the bar and drink and, mm -hmm. If he wanted to bring a lady home, that's what he would do. Um, he would never marry my mom. So, but I was, I was young. So it's, it's crazy that I remember that. Like I was from zero to five, we were with my dad and then he passed away when I was 10. So I had a stepdad. So my mom got married to my stepdad when I was six. So from six to 10, I had a dad. So he showed up for me every single day, um, whether my dad did or not. So I think our, my dad's relationship was kind of dying off because he would make promises that he couldn't fulfill. Like, well, I'll come get you. We'll pick you up. And as a child, you get tired of waiting. That's right. So when he passed away, I guess as a child, it wasn't, it wasn't a change in my daily routine because I lived in Tennessee and he lived in Alabama. I rarely saw him. If anything, it was on Christmas and holidays. So it wasn't really a change in my daily routine. So it was kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, we don't talk anyways. We don't talk on the phone. So there wasn't you already no had change. so much separation um, from him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd already, yeah. I'd already separated myself. So, and I had it in my eyes, I had a dad. It wasn't like yeah. I was, I don't, I don't have a dad now. Um, I don't know. It was weird. Like I, I, people tell me that that's weird that I didn't have an emotional reaction or I still don't have an emotional reaction. Like I honestly never think about it. I haven't since the day it happened. I, I haven't been sad about it. I, there's not a day where I'm like, Oh, when I get married, I, you know, I want my dad mm -hmm. because my, my stepdad, David, he, he'll walk me down the aisle. He'll be yeah. there for me. Yeah. So. You know what? Actually, as I hear you tell that now different than I've mm -hmm. heard you tell, not different, but with more detail, yeah. I can absolutely see why their trauma comes from the experience that goes unresolved. You didn't have a hole in your life. Mm -mm. Yeah, it was unresolved. You had a father figure in your life. And if anything, there was, oh, I wish that could have been different. But for mm -hmm. whatever reason, you just did not focus on that because you had that father figure and you had that need in your life, which we all have. You had that need met. Mm -hmm. I mean, good for your stepfather because now what he made a huge difference in how you oh, for sure. responded. Yeah. So what need I didn't have met, which you don't know yet. Okay. Um, Throw it on me. <laughs> so me and my mom, so I was, me and my mom have always been like really good friends uh -huh. and best friends at that. Well, my sister, after my dad passed away, she handled my dad's death completely differently because she was obsessed with my dad. She thought he hung the moon. She didn't mm -hmm. see what I saw and she's a year older than me. Okay. And she, so she kind of started getting into a lot of trouble after he passed away. And it was more like a attention seeking kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. pay attention to me. Like I'm upset kind of thing. Right. Well, it kind of drove a wedge between me and my mom. Cause me and my mom would watch lifetime movies together. Mm -hmm. You know, I never wanted to go out. So, and that continued through high school and like, I didn't want to go to high school football games. I didn't want to, I wasn't, I wasn't a kid that went out and drank with my friends in high school. I, I would be like, no, I'll stay. I'm going to stay home with my mom. I could tell her whatever, you know, great yeah. friendship, but it kind of drove a wedge between me and my mother because she kind of started choosing my sister because my sister needed 
her more. Yeah. Yeah. So me and my mom now as adult, as an adult relationship, it's not good. Mm. So that has not healed. Mm. And like, she'll get on my nerves. I'm like, I can't stand you. All you do is talk about Lindsay. Mm. And so that has gone unresolved, but that also comes from the second death that I experienced was my grandmother passing away her mother. And she never, that's when our relationship kind of changed for good was when I was 15, my grandmother passed away. Someone had set her house on fire while she was in it completely traumatizing. Um, so yeah, like killed her and unexpected death. My mom and her mother were best friends, talked every day on the phone. She was at her house every weekend. Mm -hmm. And my mom has not still to this day, um, dealt with her death. And because, Mm. and my mom blames it on, well, we couldn't have an open casket and we couldn't, so I couldn't see that. So it's not final. What if she's still alive? What if she's still out there? Mm. So that changed a lot of things. And that, I mean, I'm still healing from that. Like, even though I've accepted my grandmother's death, I was 15 years old. Yes. That broke me because my grandmother was my number one supporter, Mm. um, gave me confidence in the world and always paid attention to me when my mom was dealing with my sister. Uh Um, my mom hasn't dealt with that. So yeah. Through that, I'm still dealing with that. And, and it kind of became this, it is what it is. I have to accept her for who she is because I was getting angry all the time, like just anger in which it came out in work. So kind of relating that to work. I was an angry person all the time. People were like, you're such a bitch, Uh but it was just anger. Like if me and my mom had this conflict outside of work and then I would go to work and then I don't know what would trigger me, but I was just so angry and I would just talk to people so aggressively. And I would, Hmm. when really I wanted to talk to my mom that way, probably. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. kind of full circle there. There, there, Well, what I hear you saying is that there was, your mom was not emotionally available. No. And you needed her emotionally because she had been your emotional stability. Your grandmother filled some of that role then when your mom started to become emotionally unavailable, but then your grandmother left. So then you really did need your mom for that Mm -hmm. emotional um, connection and that relationship. And one of our first responses to, sorry, my dad is mowing the grass outside. That's okay. Did you just look around like, what's that noise? No, I was looking over at my doll because she's staring at me very viciously right now. (laughs) She wants those cows out there. Um, So you had a need, a very Mm -hmm. legitimate need, a very um, important need of emotional availability from a parent that you didn't have. Our first response to most all of those things is anger. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. And and, and honestly, I'm just now becoming a different person. Um, Mm. And if people from my job can attest to that because it's been within the past two to three years where I've been like, I don't want to be angry. Like I'm very self-aware that it comes across as angry and I don't mean for it to. So yeah, I'm trying, I'm working on it. I don't have a therapist like you to help me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always here. I'm always here. Well, but I think that you bring some, um, some very good points of, first of all, not everything in our lives is traumatic. There are some Mm -hmm. things that are going to be traumatic for us and some things that are not going to be traumatic for us. Mm -hmm. And, um, we had talked earlier that trauma, it really isn't the event, but it's about how, what's unresolved, what is left unresolved in us. And so the fact that your father's death was not trauma for you, 
it was for your sister, but it wasn't for you. But then the emotional unavailability of your mother and then the loss of your grandmother, who was temporarily filling that role, how yeah. that is actually very traumatic is, I mean, that's part of human existence, right? I mean, yeah. we, we have needs and we are wired to need our needs to be met in some way. But eventually as adults, we have to like, our, as kids, it's like our little, um, those um, antennas or those domes, you know, they're out, they're all yeah. external. We need it external. And we have to finally learn how to bring that in and go, I can be happy and I can find emotional availability and support in other things other than my mom or my dad or whatever, because that's looking for external people. We can't control that. Yeah. And that, that definitely strained. Oh, for sure. That strained a lot of my relationships because yes. my, yeah, because my friends, like I put all that on them. Like I need you to be there from, I need you to be my family. Well, friends, yes, in a sense, they're your family, but they're not, they don't owe you anything. They're not like, your they mom. Don't, yeah. They're, they, they don't, they don't have to like, okay, come over. Like, and so that strained a lot of my friendships. Cause I'd be like, you don't care about me. You don't love me. Mm-hmm. You know? until I finally was like, you know what? I've got to do a full detox. And this literally just happened not too long ago. Thank God for my great aunt who is literally like my life coach. Cause she was like, Johnny, you are depending on too many people to make you happy. Yes. Yes. Like I wasn't saying I need to be happy because I was like, I never wanted to be alone. Like I, like I've, it, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and so this book that we've talked about, the safe people book, one of the things that um, it talks about in here is that when we have an unmet need still kind of unresolved from our childhood, what we do is we expect the other people in our lives as adults to fill that need and we drain Mm -hmm. them (laughs) knowingly, right? Yeah. Drain them because we want them, we want that need to be, to, to be met and we don't even realize we're doing it and we drain our relationships. And oh, by the way, it finds our, we find ourselves in very unhealthy, toxic relationships because, we <laughs> for sure. because we're just signing up for the person that will actually accommodate this. Well, I mean, you know, I had a 13 year situation ship and yeah. <laughs> toxic, <laughs> toxic. Yes. Um, probably because a situation ship, I just, it's what it was, right. It's, it was a situation ship. It wasn't a relationship. It was, I was in love with the idea that he would still be there because he was from my past. He knew my family. He knew I didn't, it was comfortable. I could sit in it. I didn't have to tell anyone the strained relationship that me and my mother had the, you know, the, the the situation of my family and my, you know, all these 10, 12 nieces and nephews I have, which we won't get into, but (laughs) like, I, you know, it was comfortable. So that was a comfortable situation that I was in and finally got out of that, but it, it was all, it was all, full circle in a way, like over this past year, this pandemic year where we all had to sit and think with our shit. Like you just had to sit with your shit in the quiet. And at the time I was in a studio apartment, so I really couldn't go anywhere. So I literally sat with my, like Uh. just me in a room and I had to be like, wow, like the problem is me. The problem is me. So let's work on you. And that's what we're doing. So, well, and here's another way to, to think about that. The problem is you. Okay, sure. But the solution is you. I mean, maybe yeah. the problem is you, maybe it's not. <laughs> the solution is you. Regardless of yeah. who the problem is, the solution is you. You are yeah. the solution because you can't control anybody else's lane but your own lane. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling my daughter this one time because I used to track or coach track. 
Um, and um, I was like, honey, don't worry about lane five, six, and seven and one and two. I mean, you're in lane four, like do lane four, exactly. kill lane four and give it the best <laughs> you got. You're lane four. There is nothing you can do right now about anybody else's lane. And so whether you were the problem or not, okay, fine. But you are the solution to it. And you can move forward and go, is this actually a relationship that is helping me or is it not? Am I in it just because it's comfortable? Um, Is it, am I really draining the people and looking for them to validate? Because that's almost always what it is. Yep. Um, Being heard, understood, and validated. It's like the common three things. I had to pay a whole lot of money in graduate school for those three (laughs) Well, it's true. It's so true because like I've even had issues at work where it's like, could you just tell me I'm doing a good job? Like we hear constantly how bad we're doing. Like everyone wants to bring up your negative qualities. Like Mm -hmm. talk too much. You're too loud. (laughs) I'm just talking about me here. I don't know about you, Um, but it's like, how about you say, you know what? That was a good catch. That was a good save or mm-hmm. something pop, but, but society as a whole doesn't do that. We like to point yeah. out your bad qualities. We don't want to point out you doing a good job. Cause why would we do that? Why would we encourage someone like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that's the thing where the, the mindset of, of all of this has got to be shifted because truly I, I experienced this a lot with just raising kids, but also in working with children in the past, <clears throat> you know, the truth of all of that is, is that the reason, have you ever heard of the bucket filler? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to go with it, but then I was like, no, I haven't. (laughs) So the idea is, is that, you know, everybody has a bucket. We all have Uh our own bucket and we need to be filling our own bucket, right? There's people who put positive dividends into our bucket or bank accounts or whatever, but there are, there are bucket scoopers, who think that they can go (laughs) scoop out of your bucket to fill their own bucket. So the idea is, is that the reason why we're drawing attention to everybody else's um, shortfallings and and, and their negativity is because we think it's helping us look better because we can't deal with the fact that we are broken, that we're not doing a good job, that we're failing, that we have secure um, issues with insecurity and all of that. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly putting other people down. It's the bully thing, right? For sure. It's yeah. exactly what it is. And so by, ha- by praising somebody else, we have to be very confident to do that, to draw yeah, I didn't attention think about to somebody that. else's good that they've done, right? <clears throat> and our society does not do that well. And it doesn't no. sell. <laughs> That's not what sells. People aren't interested in that. So my third death that I mentioned earlier. So my third death was my, okay. gr- my great uncle, which was my mom's uncle. Okay. And when I wasn't getting, getting the emotional support that I needed from my mom, uh-huh. he was there. Um, he was kind of like her father. He, he, it's oh. her father's brother. So okay. he kind of filled that void for her. Cause my mom and her dad don't get along very well. So he was that for me. So when I graduated um, nursing school, I actually had to move home and work for a year because Huntsville wasn't hiring. So well, I didn't move. I actually just got a job at my old hospital, but he let me live with him for the three days. So I got all my work days in a row and then I would work, live in Huntsville for four days and then live in Tennessee for three days, but I would live with him Okay. and we would have the best time, like talk about everything. He gardened, whatever. He was my emotional support person. I would call him. He would call in, call me and check, check on me just at like randomly, like, which is a big deal to me because I don't have a lot of friends that check in on me, which mm-hmm 
bothers me because my, my own mother doesn't do that. My mother has told me before that if something happened to me, the hospital would call her and notify her. Oh boy. Um, oh boy. So, <laughs> so I do get like, I get mad at my friends every couple months saying, y'all don't check in on me. I could be dead over here. My dog could be licking my face. Nobody would know it. <laughs> because we see it come into the ER too, by the way. Yes. We know these but stories. He, he passed away with lung cancer um, three, no, when I graduated college. So five years ago okay. when I graduated with my grad school. So my great aunt, who was his brother's wife. Okay. <laughs> all okay. that makes sense if you're still with me. Um <laughs> kind of filled that void. So at his funeral, her and I kind of reconnected. And since then she has kind of been my emotional support person and called to check on me. And if I don't text her for two days, she's like, Hey, where have you been? Haven't heard from you. Yeah. So that's how she kind of became that. It reminds me of, you know, this thing that we see happen in COVID. Um, and the, you know, we talk about you know, COVID was a pandemic, but then Mm -hmm. the next pandemic is coming and it's here and it's the mental health pandemic, you know, of what everybody had emotionally kind of put on hold and what they were Mm -hmm. dealing with. And they were just trying to get through the crisis. But what we have learned through a lot of this is that we really did need community Mm -hmm. that we really, I think everyone does. Yeah. And we didn't realize it. Well, I think that humans try to say that we can be on our own. And I, I was one, I'm like, I'm an independent woman. Don't need nobody for a damn thing. <laughs> but it's not true. Bunch when you say okay. that. But, but it's not true. Like there, there is, there is a negative in being too independent. And I've learned that because I terrify a lot of men. Mm-hmm. I don't really truly need a man other than to procreate. Right. Like I have my own job. Right. I have my own money. Um, I don't need you to support me. I can support myself. So that's very intimidating and independent in itself. But what I do need is an emotional connection that I can't give myself. I can't check in. I mean, you can check in with yourself, but you know know what I mean? Like I can't text myself and say, how's it going over there? Like I haven't heard from you. you." I mean, that's true. I could, but let's be real. That's a journey. Let's be honest. Yes, I think. Right. (laughs) but I mean like you can't like human nature doesn't want it you don't we're not meant to be alone no and we want to know that we matter to somebody yes and I think that that's where so much of that pandemic created so much isolation we didn't know what to do with that we were not used to that and for Mm -hmm. people who are specifically in your situation where you weren't married don't have kids you know Some of us were like, oh my gosh, we've got to get these kids out of here. And I needed, I was like, I'm used to having more time by myself (laughs) than they opened the school. Um, But there was a lot of people who were in your circumstance that were very, very isolated from their social norms of people. And it is huge. And I I can see that common denominator in your upbringing of truly needing what we, we need. There's nothing wrong with that. That is totally normal. And actually it's part of how we develop. Well, I think something I just think I realized in this conversation was honestly, there was a lot of isolation throughout my whole life. Yeah. 
I was isolated when my mom chose my sister. I was isolated then when my uncle passed. I'm isolated still with my friend group because with my friends now, everyone's married with children. I'm the only single one without kids. Mm -hmm. So I'm always the fifth or seventh or ninth will anytime we go anywhere. Yep. Yep. And same thing with your grandmother. I heard the same thread, you know, cause your grandmother became that thing. Your mom was yeah. the thing, then your grandmother became that. And then your uncle was, and as those relationships, as they passed away and whatever, then trying to rebuild that and, and reconnect with the next person in your family, like who is going to be here and be consistent, be that constant. So like, yeah. So like my aunt's my constant now, but she is helping build my confidence because I've never had really self-confidence, which I know people who know me are like, whatever, that's not true because they see my social media or me post a selfie with 10 different filters on it, which is not reality. <laughs> so it's like, oh, on, but it's like 10% curated of what I want you to see, right? Like I'm having a good day, but am I, or am I just posting that because I need you to give me the likes so yes. that I could have a good day. I'm trying to feel like I have a good day. Yeah. yeah. And it's, so it's like, my aunt's trying to give me this self-confidence because she was like, your self-confidence has to be at a place where you're not seeking validation from any external factor to make you whole or make you not feel isolated. Like you should not feel isolated by yourself if you're confident enough in what you have to bring to the table to other people. Right, right. But I think there is some of that that we are still made for community and we still Mm -hmm. need to feel a part of something. Oh, for sure. And so there is a little bit, but yes, I agree um, with your great aunt um, that (laughs) that if we are always looking for 95% of our validation from other external sources, we are going to be full of anxiety, unbelievably depressed, and really, really struggle to figure out where do we fit in? Where do I fit Mm -hmm. in then? Because I can't control all of those other people. And oh, by the way, they have all their issues, (laughs) (laughs) right? And so I think that your your great aunt is, is super wise. And I am proud of you for coming through quote unquote, the pandemic and having, and and being willing to dig into that and realize, Oh Lord, I have been put in a situation that I haven't been in before. And it's making me forcing me insisting that I look at a mirror that is for sure truly uncomfortable. And I've had to do it in my own life too. And that is so not fun. You know, (laughs) it's not fun. It takes two people to get divorced. You know, there were things that I did that did not that did not help that situation. And I had to get really, really honest and and very curious first, but then very honest about what did I do that contributed to this? How do I make sure that I don't do that again? Do I have a hole in my bucket? (laughs) You know, (laughs) there's something leaking out somewhere. And I need to get that patched up because I want to do the same thing if I don't. Agreed. A hundred percent. That's why I spend so much time working with moms and kids is because our hurts when they go unhealed end up becoming things that the people around us, whoever it is, whether it's our coworkers, our best friends, our kids, our significant relationships, they end up suffering somewhat to speak, I guess. Yeah. I mean, don't have worked, you know, they, I mean, I'm a product of that. Yeah. I'm not saying I was in a, the worst situation of my life. There are people out there who are going through a lot worse. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm a product of that. My mother still has not healed. She could definitely use you. Like she has not healed from her mother's death. And that was, I was 15. I'm 33 now. So that was 18 wow. years ago. Wow. And wow. now she just drinks to numb it. 
and she won't face it. And when I tell her that she needs to go to therapy, all I get is I don't need therapy. Yeah, I got it already. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Well, um, Jonna, thank you for sharing so much of your personal story, because by the way, I know that is very vulnerable to do that. It's not the most comfortable thing. I do understand that a lot of why you started your podcast was to talk about whatever it is um, (laughs) and to become more comfortable with talking about things that are uncomfortable. Um, I'm used to talking about uncomfortable things, but not everybody else is. And so I appreciate your willingness to go there with me. Oh, you're welcome. My podcast initially started out to kind of open a bridge because I was so closed off because that wall, like where I was so closed off and I was angry and didn't let people in. Like I wanted to give a way to let people see who who I really am because I know I'm a good person. I'm, I'm, I'm fun to be around sometimes. And so I started that podcast for that, but then it kind of took a different direction of just interviewing different people, but kind of trying to put a little bit more of my story in Yes. Like people I interview a little bit at a time. So it's not just like, here it is digested all at one time. Right. Right. <laughs> well, and you probably need some time to, as you're working through that too, um, For sure. you know, both sides of that. Now, um, tell me quickly about the other things like, okay, I know you're a nutritional coach. Um, how mm. do you do that? Like if somebody was interested in that, how, how does that work? Cause this so is I actually have notice about you. <laughs> I don't advertise it that much because for the longest time I had, um, imposter syndrome. Cause I was like, why would anyone listen to me? I'm not a registered dietitian at all. Uh Um, I've always been into nutrition because I got diagnosed with, um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis when I was 23. Okay. So I've read a bunch of different books, tried a bunch of different diets because I gained weight so rapidly with my thyroid stuff. And then I wanted to heal my thyroid with just natural diets and it's, much as I could. And then I was like, you know, I can do this. Like, why am I paying someone to do this? So then I took a course and was like, okay, all this stuff that I've learned makes sense. And then I was like, why don't I just help people? Because one thing that bothers me the most is something I went through. And I don't know if you did too, you may not have this issue, but like most of society, when I was growing up, we looked at magazines, there was no social media. Right. And what was in magazine, Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Lopez, like these flat abs, but you don't see the other side of it. You don't see that they have a personal chef. Um, they're working out five, six hours a day. You don't know if they're start. Yeah. You don't know if they're starving themselves. You have no idea. Like, so my, like you're curated in your mind from society, you 1200 calorie diet or eat less than a thousand calories. Don't eat over a hundred carbs. And then once I had the knowledge that I had, and I was like, that's utter bullshit. Like, why are we doing that? Women need to be empowered and know that they're damaging their metabolism. I'm pretty sure I created my own autoimmune disease with my thyroid with as much dieting as I had done. Oh, okay. So I'm just here to try to help people not do that to like, you right. actually lose weight when you eat more. Oh yeah. <laughs> the right foods. I mean, yes. you can't eat whatever you want, right but like my chicken. <laughs> So yeah, so I, I developed a, um, Instagram account macros by Jay. And so I just try to give like free knowledge to like okay. women or mostly women follow me, um, but anyone just about diet culture in general. And then okay. if you want me to coach you, then you just reach me by there. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I do think that with you also, your medical background is super important because the truth is, is that your personal experience mm-hmm. is huge. I mean, for sure. Like stories are what attract people. Oh girl, we could talk a a lot about my health. (laughs) 
Say what? I said, we could talk a lot about my health. I got like, I had that thyroid thing and then I'm pretty sure I had breast implant illness. So I took my breast implants out like yep. whole yep. big thing. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I, um, I will make sure to get that all put in the show notes so that people can find you there. And I will get your, uh, Babbles nonsense, uh, <laughs> podcast on there, which I totally love because what we did, um, today was to interview each other. And yeah. so, um, my story is kind of on your podcast and your story will be yep. on mine and yep. we're just going to share. Yeah. I, I love bucket. this. <laughs> Yeah, we are empowering women, damn it. We're bucket fillers by George. She didn't even know what a bucket filler was. I love it. I, I literally, like I said on my podcast, I could literally talk to you all day. You make me like you have this positive energy about you and I love it. Well, I appreciate, again, your uh, sense of humor and your honesty and your willingness to talk about the hard stuff and to say, well, I don't know. I mean, is that normal or am I weird for that? Or do I need to go? Do I need therapy? I mean, I'm not quite sure. I don't really feel that. Well, the truth is, is that not everybody has the same experience and that's okay. And yeah. your willingness to be open and vulnerable is why, I mean, we need more of that because your story frees somebody else to go, oh, I can see myself in that. Okay. And actually that gives me courage to say, you know, I've had kind of the same experience. And so your, your story frees other women to share their story. And, um, I want nothing more than to help support women and give them the, cur the courage to, to just say, this is my experience and this is how I've been working through it. And, yeah. um, we've got choices. We all have choice in how we work with our life. Right. Agreed. So, so all thank right. you for having me on. <laughs> thank you for, for coming on. I can't wait to, um, to get this all put together and it will be so fun. So there you have it. There's Jonna Grimes, her podcast, Babbles Nonsense, and her nutritional coaching business. I'm going to tag all of that in the show notes. Please go listen to her podcast. And if you are in the market and looking for somebody to guide you nutritionally, I think you could do yourself a huge favor by contacting her. I think she would be fantastic. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, totally different than our norm. And yet I think there is a ton of value in what we talked about today. And even Jonna's kind of aha moment. Oh, one of the things I've recognized here today that I haven't thought about before is an issue of isolation throughout her story. That's why coaching and talking to somebody can be so very valuable and getting feedback from somebody as they feed into and hear your story and give you feedback. Thank you for listening to The Uplift Effect. I will put everything in the show notes. I will talk to you next Monday. I've got another really good episode I'm excited about. Till then, have a fantastic week. You're all my favorites. Bye-bye. <laughs>